Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. You can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bond. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And you can find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. Brandon, we are going to be dissecting a 30-3 loss to the Denver Broncos. And Brandon, I'm happy about it. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I, uh, I'm uh, I'm a bit concerned uh, at, at your joy over a blowout. Even in the preseason, I, I just, I can't, you know, as soon as this happened, you know what I immediately was searching for? Is there any correlation between preseason blowouts and stinking in the regular season? And you know what I found? There isn't. There is some correlation, but it only has to do with first team offense being in the game. Okay. And we didn't well, that, have that. Though- Good, good. I, I, I was, I was starting to fan myself. Like, oh boy, is he about to drop a hammer here that I don't want to talk about? Because I'm in my la la land that it doesn't really matter. And actually, the things that we are seeing that we're going to get to on three in, three out, that there are, there's lots of good things to talk about. I, I, I talk talking to you before the show and the good folks of Earth out there that are our listeners and our fans and our just brothers and sisters and the folks we hang out with in the flock. You know, I literally keep a physical ledger. I sit down. I have a Seahawks book. Here it is. You can see it. It's got the sticker on there, the whole thing already. Clear. I don't know how cameras work, apparently. There we go. And uh, Showing it to the one person in the audience right now that has the, a camera well, on you. The, well, you're, you're the person I'm talking to, right? <laughs> so I'm present, Brandon. I am present with you. So, um, And I keep a physical ledger. I have the inside, the outside, and I, I take notes. And I find it to be a very effective way to prepare for three in, three out. And very often in losses in the regular season, the outside, the ledger is like just so much more prominent. There's so much more to pick apart. In a 30 to three loss to the Broncos, I'm staring at seven different ins here that I think are worthy of talking about. So I've got to whittle down the inside uh, <laughs> to, to, to make it into three and three out. And that excites me because there were there were good things and good nuggets. However, however, I mean, you, Brandon, look, when you when you're outside of your ledger does not even include Dom Wood Anderson, then that definitely makes this a whole lot easier for you in this game. It, you know, I don't want to. I'm not kicking. Remember that old Cam Neely commercial where he's like gardening for ESPN, and then something happens. He's like, "Why don't you, you know, don't you kick my dog while, while I'm down, or kick my dog while you're at it?" You know, like Don Wood Anderson's now cut, right? So even the outs that we're going to talk about, and yes, there were outs, but the outs we're going to talk about, I think, actually impact this year's team. And picking on Don Wood Anderson for you know not having hands or a sense of timing. Uh, what do you or, mean he doesn't you know, have fi- hands? He used those hands to face mask a guy when th- th- he was on offense. How That's often do you see was, that- an offensive face masking penalty? Well, when, when when DWA is involved, he does it all. What can I say? And that's that's what was so amazing. I don't think he actually has hands. I think he somehow hooked like his little uh, like nubby elbow in there and still face masked from the offensive side. You know, and lo and behold, he gets cut. And okay, what what are we, not not that we didn't expect this, right? So so we're not going to spend time talking about the DWAs of the world, but maybe we'll we'll spend more time talking about things like oh, I don't know. Things like thigh arms, things things like that get me really excited. However, we do have one rule on three and three out, 
And I know it's the second preseason game, but we got to go through it. We got to do the whole thing already, Brandon. So what's what's the one rule? What do we do here? We do have a rule, and it's important uh, that we let folks know every single week. We, when we win, we start with an in, and back-to-back weeks, we are not starting with an in. Right. We are we are starting with uh, we have to start with an out. There are rules here. You know, that, that's the well, there's a rule here. That's the one we're going to start with an out. And you know what? I'm going to just, just I want everybody. I want the collective Seahawks Twitter and the Seahawks, the Seahawks metaverse and the multiverse and the whole thing already just to breathe and relax and dive into this session of three and three out, because I think you're going to listen to this. I think you're going to come through the other side being like, you know what? I think Clint's right. I think he's onto something here. And I think things are going to be A-OK this season. But why don't we do this? Why don't we mosey on over a nice sauntering to our first out? Saunter away. Brandon, I talked a lot about how the outs didn't really matter. They just don't matter. However, there were at least three that I do that I do think will matter and do matter. And just some things that were a little disappointing and not just the 30 to three score. I don't care that, you know, Magoo who's not on the team threw bad, you know, interceptions and lost the fumble. I just, I just can't care about that stuff. But something I can care about Brandon is when I look at our center, right? Ethan Posick hasn't played a snap. That's okay. I'm actually all in on the let's, let's not play. Let's not play the, the starters. I'm cool with that. But when I look at our backup center, a dude in Kyle Fuller, who, you know, b- before the season started, it was like, you know, he's going to challenge. He's going to challenge for that that center position. You know what, man? I just don't, I don't see it. Early in the game, I saw like slow feet. I saw indecisiveness. I saw the inability to shed one guy to pick somebody else up. He just looks like, I don't know, Larry Holmes coming out for the 14th round out there. And he's a dude that if he's having a real sharp preseason, that we're going to have this conversation about who should be our starting center. Instead, in my mind, he and he is solidifying a spot for Ethan, and Ethan is on the sidelines still kind of recovering and not playing at all. That's a big disappointment for me that, that I don't think he stepped up very much. And, and from a depth position, man, oh man, we don't have a lot of depth at that center spot. And I know we have options there, but but what do you what do you think we're gonna do here? Is is Fuller tossing it to you? Is Fuller doing anything for you this preseason? Because for me, he's kind of wearing a big out right now. The the center position is a challenging one because you have Fuller, Lundblade. I guess you've seen some things from him. To me, there is a battle at center, and it's between Lundblade and Fuller. Yeah, and I don't think that that's a very good battle because it's not. It, you want those positions to have players where you go, oh, that guy looks good in the preseason against these other dudes. I think maybe he could challenge as a starter. And and really, the entire roster, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those guys who are generally backup players, but where you see them, I don't want to use the word dominate, but you see them play in a way that's, you know, they're overpowering lesser matched opponents. And so you right. you you want to see that from your backup players. And when you're not even necessarily seeing that, and you're just looking at a couple guys that they have the potential to challenge for the backup spot. That's not, that's what makes me less optimistic about the season, because you know, guys are going to go down to injury. Ethan Posick has had an injury history and having a backup center would be really important 
especially a competent one. Yeah, and I, I just I just wonder is is the idea of shipping our guard over to center, you know, our, our second year guard at this point over to center, because do you think there's a little bit more of like more noise or, or more just more of a of an echo chamber happening around that because we're just we're not seeing a really no depth there and we haven't seen Ethan on the field in is he due back like I know he's a little banged up right what's what is his his current deal is he just sitting out because he's a starter I, I don't think so I, I suppose there's a little bit of that as a component but I I because even if he were healthy based on what we've seen I don't think we would see him out there with the starters I'm Frankly, I'm a little bit surprised to see Jordan Brooks putting as much playing time in as he has in the preseason because he's the one guy getting consistent time who has been a starter. But for the most part, everybody else, it's starters have stayed on the bench. Maybe there's something to the idea of once you get into the regular season and Posa can't get healthy, that's when you start making the shift of you bring a guard in to play center and then that way you're having your five best guys on the offensive line and and you can make it work that way i i just i'm not super excited about that idea i but really behind posick that might be the next best option yeah it's super thin I and mean, poss- possibly delu might be he might be the best center on the team and he certainly might be the I I can almost guarantee that he's the best backup center right now. And that's a challenge because he's a starting guard for us. Now, one thing I'll say about getting our butts whipped in the first two games so far and this lack of depth is, and the fact that we're, it's also the compilation of, you know, we're not seeing our starters besides Brooks get like any time out there. Like I do not expect a a clean as a whistle game when, when, when the regular season lights go on, we play the Colts. Like who, who that that game might be dreadfully sloppy. I mean, it's cool we got the extra game this year to kind of maybe make up for a mulligan, maybe and maybe Wentz is still out, and maybe the whole O line for the Colts is still out. To be seen, those, those dudes are kind of charging back from injury. We're kind of getting updates every day on that. And for now, for me, it's like I just don't ex- I don't expect cleanness game one. However, however, I do think it's time we rotate on over to the end because there you you mentioned some names already, but there are some dudes that are stepping up and standing out that I, I am very excited. Good. About. I'm ready to get to an end. All right, let's get there. Brad, the, the word of the day is tempo. T-E-M-P-O. Tempo. And, and, sure, you know, with Magoo, we saw a little bit of it. With Mannion, we saw a little bit of it. But this game started to, you know, you remember the the movie Major League, I'm sure, right? The awesome, you know, the awesome baseball Absolutely. movie Major League. Yeah, but I mean, one like of the greatest, greatest sports movies of all time. Exactly. Just a, just a, and of course they bring as a, a motivating factor, they bring in the the image of the owner, right? The uh, the 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 attractive uh, woman owner, and they start to peel away the pieces of her as they win ball games because they got to have a magic number they've worked out mathematically. I'll take scenes you probably wouldn't away. see in a 2020s movie uh, for five thousand, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> co- correct, correct. It's it's a wonder, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, the entire thing is so good. Um, so you know they're peeling it away step step by step in in a wonderful little montage, I might add, as the Indians start to start to win a lot of games, or maybe I should say the Guardians in 2021, right? As they start to win lots of games. With all that, we're starting to unveil kind of piece by piece this Waldron offense, and I and what I really love is that you have these moments where. 
freaking is it, it's, it's Sean Mannion, right? I got the first name right. Is that correct? <laughs> Sean, yeah. Sean. Okay, good. So One of the greatest Sean Shans Mannion. in Seahawks history. How could you forget? He, that, that, that's correct. We talked about this. Yeah, we, that, correct. So we got Sean Mannion getting to the line with like 19 seconds to go. And Magoo getting to the line with that much time to go and, and looking at what's happening, surveying, and having time to audible out into other, other elements of the game. So we're starting to see there was even the very first, uh, first down of the game, quick hit to Penny. There was the, the pop pass to Ursua. We did that a couple times. I think there was one to Weddington later in the game. We're just starting to see this 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 up tempo, no huddle offense where you know I could if you could get into the brain or the heart of of Russ on the sideline as he's watching this, I bet the dude's just salivating. He's way. I mean, he understands. Of course, he wants to play, but it, the, his time will come versus the Colts. But for me, Brandon, I'm I'm starting to percolate, being like, whoa. Once we have our our guys out there, you just okay. Put, just strip away that entire offensive line. Put in Disley. Put in Everett, Metcalf, Lockett, Carson, a- and Russ, and then give them that kind of time at the line to do their thing. And the up tempo offense that we're starting to see bit by bit, layer by layer, in game two, and it just gets me excited. One last thing I'll say is Manning had that nice drive, probably the best drive of the game that led to I think the. Uh, I think it was three points, but the the, qu- the quarter three drive where uh, I think it was uh, T- Tavoyan had a catch. DJ Dallas had an awesome catch of the, out of the backfield. Collins had a quick hitter. Uh, Kay Johnson had had a, a completion that drive, and it was super up tempo. And I'm just sitting there going, "Oh man, wait till this is the real deal. Wait, t- wait till this is the real dogs running that." I'm just getting excited, Brandon. For me, it's just that's the in is we're starting to see it, and it's coming little bit by little bit. And I kind of like this idea that we're being teased with it until it can be fully unveiled. So for me, big first in is that tempo is starting to show. And I like what I see. It it is starting to show. And man, I'm having a hard time not rolling right into an out, Clinton, because there was a time in this game where I was impressed with the tempo and then I was not. You may have it on the outside of your ledger because it deals with one of your favorite players to put on the outside of the ledger. (laughs) And I don't even know if that's who I would give the out to. I will say, though, yes, we did get a taste. We got a taste of the tempo, and I can definitely envision that with with the different players lining up and, and moving down the field more quickly. I that that is what gets me excited for the start of the season. Well, why don't we just roll right into it real, real quickly? Because this it doesn't have to be a full on a full on out. But I know I know the series you're getting to where it was whatever second and one, third and one, fourth and one, right? And it was just like it was like you know just basically full back dive, full back dive, full back dive, but 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 with Petty. It, it wasn't uh, one yard to go, but it was the third Seahawks drive of the game. You had a nice first and ten catch by Fuller, and then you had a nice little dump off throw to I think it was Ursua. They get over the 50, and they're getting close to getting down to to the red zone. They had moved the ball well, throwing the ball, and then they go three straight handoffs to Penny. And that's what I mean. I don't know if I can put that necessarily on Penny himself, but the fact that that's what they decided to call after you're you're throwing it with tempo, you're moving the ball down the field, and now we're going to run the ball three straight times. Why do you do that? 
I, I, you know, you, you know my take on on Penny. I don't put that on Penny. Like there was, there was in 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 those cases, mostly nowhere to go. Now his vision, his vision, and his 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 way to get get in and out of little spaces can be questioned all day long. He's certainly good in space, but without without a lot of space, I don't think he's that that great. With that, um, yeah, I I was shaking my head. I didn't like it. I could forgive that now. I I do chalk that up, hopefully, to the. You know they don't want to show too much of the playbook. They don't. They don't. They don't want to show too much yet. I, I'm that at least in my brain. I'm like, that's just what they're doing. They want to see if they can run the ball here. They want to see can these backup offensive linemen, you know, win in the trenches? Can they move these dudes two, three yards downfield? The answer is no. They cannot. You know, they, they, that's that has been a bit a big problem that the depth there is not very strong. But I'm with you. I think that's an honorary when you get when you lose 30 to three in the, <laughs> an honorary in the second out. preseason game, you get the honorary out. But I won't give it to Penny. I I will just say, um, you know, but it's bad, bad O line play, bad O line depth. But that's okay. All right. Well, we've got to my honorary out. Let's take a break. We'll come back. And if people, if you want to get in on this, make sure we have our from the flock segment. I, I don't think we got a whole lot of submissions, but be sure after a game to tweet at Clinton Bond on Twitter. Use the hashtag 3I3O and you let them know some of the ins, some of the outs, and we will get to them just like we'll get to. I'm sure we can come up with something from the flock after the break. Come at me. We're back with the uh, the second reel out. This one's going to be short and I very, very almost never would go here. However, I, I feel like I have to. I feel like I owe it to this man to go here because, man, oh, man, I've been a John Ursua truther since Jump Street, right? I mean, I called the dude the slotness monster. And then last week, I kind of gave up on him. I was like, oh, man, the one catch for minus one yards. You know, in retrospect, I just didn't want the dude punt returning, which obviously he wasn't doing that this time around. Um, and with that, this was the game where John Ursua looked really good. He looked really good. He looked, he looked quick. He looked twitchy. He was catching everything. He was wily out there. He's scrapping. And then he pulls up lame. He gets, he tears one of the CLs and he's done. And I'm not, there's no out per se, but this is more like a sob story that man, oh man, I feel for this dude. I feel for this guy because A, he's not a spring chicken in terms of a third year player. I think he's 26 going on 27 already because he was he was an older dude when they got him, I believe, out of Hawaii, right? Um, and I don't know, this it's a guy like that, this is the the average length in the NFL is this kind of time frame, and he might be done, and, and I feel very badly. I hope he can battle back and get back out there, but the injuries to, to BBK and Ursua, just combining that into a just a WTF out, I, I got to go there for the preseason because – Two young, promising guys that are just not going to get their chance. BBK, probably time to make a rehab and come back. Ursua, this might be it for the NFL, and I hope it's not. Interesting that we go back-to-back with the, not necessarily outs in the traditional sense, but kind of honorary ones. And yeah, because these are just things that were disappointing from this game. Yeah, I I, I feel you, and I I hear you. And I think because so much of it, like I said earlier, is like, no, I'm not going to blow up dudes who are not going to be on the team at, at the end of the day. The third out, I got, I got one other, one other one to pick. Uh, I got a bone to pick on somebody that I'm under impressed with. But for this one, it was the crescendo of finally maybe seeing what Ursua could do. Mm. 
you know, and seeing other people like tweeting about about him, like, man, I, I kind of saw this dude as this guy who could who could do this all along. And I I held that flame, the the eternal flame of like, man, this guy can do it. He's he's got the right kind of skill set to be a legit slot guy. And then, you know, just like that, it's 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 squashed out. And and I I'm just I'm very, very empathetic for, for him, very, very sad. And I hope that hope the Duke can battle back. I mean, he's obviously in incredible shape. I know he's gonna go tackle his rehab and go do everything he can. There's something stacked up against a guy like that for making making it back to this team. And by the way, going back to how this matters for the current team, well, you know, D. Eskridge hasn't sniffed the field yet. He's practicing, but he's still got the foot condition, whatever that is. Penny Hart's dealing with stuff. We didn't see, uh, I don't think, did we see any Swain? Swain got hurt last game, right? He got a little nicked last yeah, game, I believe. I don't think we saw him at all. Yeah, So, so really... Listen, I love our one too. I love, I mean, Lockett, Metcalf, 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 Lockett, however you want to put them. Fantastic. Right now, our three, four, five is still. Well, it's still wide open. It could be Cody Thompson. It can be Aaron Fuller. It can be your other leading wide receiver from the day, Cade Johnson. You have the uh, the former, you mentioned his name earlier, Toivonen. Toivonen. Yeah, yeah. Trav Daddy. From- <laughs> That's right. From, uh, from the FCF. Yes, right, as, he's, exactly. as he's better known from the FCF. Yeah, he took a bunch of hits, by the way, too. Like, I, I, he, I'll, I'll give him credit. Like, he's not—he's not afraid to go try to go get the ball. No, Tavoinen was—he was trying to high point some things that were not the best passes. And man, he like in like whatever he had was it four or six targets, whatever they were. He got hit like every single time. I was like, <laughs> oh man, and you know what? Good, good for him. He's he's showing the gumption that that you're gonna have to show to try and crack a team like this. It's just that. That secondary tertiary layer of wide receiver right now is is so wide open. I mean, we think we got the guys. We think Eskridge can step up, but he's got to be healthy and he's got to get in a rhythm. I love hearing the fact that he's out there earlier than ever practicing with with Russ. And the fact that Russ will do that with the rookie is phenomenal. Um, I liked what I saw from Penny Hart. I like what I saw from Freddie Swain last year, but it's it starts to get pretty thin once you get you know past our first two. And we don't need five great guys. We don't need four great guys, but we need a third and we need a fourth we can count on. You know, so we need that kind of change of pace, dude. That slot guy we've been pounded on since last year. And you still need that fourth guy that could play that David Moore role and play it well. And right now it's like, I'm not sure who that's going to be. It's just just a bit of a scene missing right now. But that's where the sewer injury plays back into the team this year. That's like, man think he had a shot to still make this team, but now we won't see it. So we wish him nothing but the best, him and BBK, fast, speedy recoveries, and all the, the goodwill we could possibly pour towards those dudes. Let's get back to an in. Yeah, we got to get over there. I'm crying over here. We were just talking about BBK. The man gets injured. BBK is like coming out of college, right? He's he's the undersized ball hawk, right? Hey, the dudes know he has a nose for the football, He's going to be in position. He's instinctive. He's a tackling machine, all that stuff. And again, we wish him nothing but the best. Then BBK gets injured. And then in the third and fourth quarter, we see a different linebacker, one that we probably didn't expect to be playing linebacker, all of a sudden playing linebacker. And Brandon, in my estimation, doing a rather great impersonation of BBK himself 
and maybe maybe even a more effective one. I'm not trying to kick a guy while he's down, not trying to kick BBK while he's just hurt. But Brandon, you must know who I'm talking about here. You must know where the in is going. Well, it's got to go to the guy that not only played offensive snaps, not only played special team snaps, but was also on defense, Nick Ballore. Yeah, I mean... Nick Ballore, who's been on the outside of the ledger or or the, the wrong side of jokes for a couple of years from me, being like, why do we even carry a fullback if A, we're going to use him like once a game, and B, when we do use him, he's going to decide not to block. You know, I've, I've had my challenges with Nick Ballore. I will say this might be the offseason of Nick Ballore because there's been two important things that have come about. I bet you could guess both of them. Yeah. The first, what did we learn about Nick Everybody said that he's the funniest dude on the team, almost like almost unanimously. Right. Exactly. Every single person, like he's like, they they go down like five, four, three, two, one. They're like, oh yeah, Belor. Like he's like, he's like, like you said, unanimously, like the, the, not even most jovial, like they're saying quick witted, really, really just funny dude. So that goes a long way with me. I'm like, all right, a locker room guy does matter. And then to continue this summer of George here, we got, we got Nick coming out and playing linebacker but not just not just playing linebacker i mean i understand at that point in the game you're going you now you're really going against some threes and stuff like that but i don't for a dude who hasn't even been playing linebacker to just go oh okay yeah i guess i used to do this i'll go back out there and play some again and his instincts are like i'm like damn dude like he was instinctively a very good linebacker. Like that part, I don't feel like leaves you. You know, if like you know how to play linebacker, which is very, very quick recognition of what's happening in front of you, like A, B, body positioning, understanding leverage, understanding how to how to fit through like little, you know, dare I say nooks and crannies to, to get through gaps that that other people may not be able to get through. And then C, to stick people. I don't know what else you want from a linebacker. I realize Nick Ballore is not starting at linebacker for us. I realize this, but I am damn happy that he's on our team, that in in a pinch, Nick Ballore can go play some linebacker. He proved that in, in about a quarter and a half. And he made three or four plays where I was like, holy heck, I'm glad I watched the rest <laughs> of this because the dude stood out. Well, I will say, too, that the progression of me watching this was hearing him in his postgame press conference first talking about playing linebacker because I had pretty much tuned out by that time. And so it was on the rewatch and the way that he downplayed it after the game, it was like, Oh yeah, I got back out there and it kind of took me some time to get in the rhythm. Dude, <laughs> you, you look like you yeah. just picked it back up. Like you, like, like this was your job. Like this is what you do. And this is not what you've been doing traditionally here with the Seahawks. Yeah. Super, super impressive. And, um, you know, it's, to me, it's just like hat tip, very and his value of okay, he, you know he's he performed well in special teams last year, all the way to the point that he's recognized for the Pro Bowl. Great, um, not really sure he's a very valuable fullback still. I, 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 that's maybe that's okay, but but he is a but he is a good spot linebacker. So the dude's value is there. So you know, hat tip to you, Nick Ballore. I was wrong. You're pretty good at football. Last out, last on the sober yin side of this equation in a 30-3 loss to the, to the Broncos, our old AFC West rivals. Hey, Brandon, there's a dude whose name starts with the same two letters that your name starts with, B-R. His last name sounds like a very famous artist. You might be able to piece this together there at home, people. And 
I've got to tell you, like, this is one of the dudes on the defensive line who is supposed to be, you know, clogging this thing up. And whether he's going against Broncos ones or Broncos twos on the line, I'm just a little underwhelmed by by Monet at this point, man. Mm. I, I Brian Monet to me is like, he's a big dude. I get it. He seems to get washed out a lot. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not a technician. I'm not going to sit here like and Maddie F. Brown this thing to death or Samuel Gold or, you know, give you some baldy breakdown. I could just give you what my eyes see, what my heart felt when I watched it, where I'm like, when I heard the news they were bringing Geno Atkins in, and I think he left Seattle without a contract from what I could see on Twitter, I, I was like, hell yeah, we need that extra dude because old thigh arms Al Woods got in the game. He looked, he did exactly what he does. Took up a bunch of space, blue dudes back in the backfield, a lot of nice plays at the goal line. In fact, and we don't have Puna doing his thing yet. Okay. Uh, but, but to me, Monet has been like, I don't know, like a, it's one of those dudes, Brandon, you said it best earlier. It's like, I need that dude to be a, a B plus a in the preseason when he's probably going up against second stringers and sometimes third stringers. And I think he's been like a C minus C at best. And when he starts to face the the better competition, let's say a healthy Colts line, I don't know. I think we're going to see Jonathan Taylor bowling up the middle if Monet is there instead of some other dudes who who could really hold that position down. So for me, I'm a little down on Monet right now. He did show up to me one time in this game, and that was on the Broncos' third drive where he ended up taking on two extra blockers, and then that's what allowed that dude Hewitt to come in and get the yes, sack. Yeah, that and, was good. And so that, that that spot showed up to me. But yes, I want to see him pushing the guys back. And you did not see a lot of that from Monet. So it, yeah, it makes sense for him to be on the outside. because And really, Clinton, it was, I don't know how you can't go with even more guys from the defensive line in this game. There were, right. there were so many times I, I look at where... Man, on the on the Broncos' very first drive of the game, the Seahawks send the blitz. They send six guys, and you see some nice pressure from Alton Robinson on one side. Daryl Taylor gets some pressure, and it makes Bridgewater move up into the pocket. And when you blitz six guys and you're making the quarterback move up into the pocket, that's when you expect those guys like Monet to, to kind of collapse that interior. We didn't see that. Bridgewater steps up. All four of those guys are being dominated by the, the the offensive linemen. Now they're the starting offensive linemen for the Broncos. But still, when when you're in that situation, you need one of those guys to at least apply some pressure, beat their guy in front of them to make Bridgewater uncomfortable to the point that he can't complete that pass. And he does. They get down to the goal line. They end up knocking it into the end zone. So yeah, the the whole defensive interior to me especially on that Broncos first drive I could have given them now yeah no I, and I think you picked the play that's that's you know sticks in my craw too and the the pressure from the edges was pretty good and pretty consistent you know like at that you saw a lot of times um Rasheem Green you saw yeah Alton Robinson the pressure from the outside was consistent I thought it was at least and a lot of times you saw them kind of like even Hyder Hyder had a couple where he was, he cut through two dudes at one point and, and you know, kind of lassoed in between and he tried to get an arm on the guy. And, but yet there were, it's like that crumple zone, you know, when a, when a car, when a car hits dead, dead on and just the whole thing just crumples and that's this way it's not 
and the engine the engine does not come through to the lap of the driver and they have all this great technology nowadays and i thank you volvo for making you know safe cars and all that jazz and like there was no there was no crumple zone there was just it just wasn't there there was there was too much pocket still and i get it that's the friggin' offensive line's job is to do is to create that pocket but to your point even when we blitzed no success so if we're going to get the pressure on the outside with zero pressure up the middle and we're bringing two extra dudes yeah we're going to we're, we're going to give up some big plays especially when we don't have our safeties out there especially when we don't have our, our number one corner out there and, and you know and we don't have a, our starting linebackers out there so with you 100% that was the most disappointing piece of it for me and that's why i was so into this idea of Geno Atkins coming in i realized this is not Geno Atkins 5 6 7 years ago where it's Dunlap and Atkins, and they're both pro bowlers. I get that. No, but, but when you combine rookie. Atkins with Al Woods and they're trading yes. off snaps, then okay, then I think maybe you have something. I think you have, I think you got a darn, like, let's say you just combo those two dudes and it's like, okay, the output of them, you know, together, I think that's a, that's a damn good defensive lineman who's going to go do that, do that job. And Atkins still has probably enough, enough motor to get a couple of sacks this year too, especially when we got dogs on the outside. We're showing that. I'm, I am excited that I think we're still compiling a really good line, but the Jaron Reed loss, it, it's, it might end up being a sneaky big one if we can't bolster that middle. And right now, I don't have the confidence that's Monet. I, mean, I know he's going to make the team. At least I think he's going to make the team. But boy, oh boy, would I love, a, I would love to be shocked to wake up tomorrow morning that, you know, just kidding. He got the SeaTac turned around and, and signed the papers because I kind of feel like we need Atkins, man. I want to see it. Do it. Let's make it happen. Make it so, Brandon. Brandon, we talked about Rasheem Green. He had another nice game. We talked about Brooks. He had another nice game. You know, how I like to combo meal deal my things here. But that last in, I kind of want to give it to the, the Barton, Brooks, and Rasheem Green combination of what happens when, this is kind of like the thing before of, you know, what happens when the Waldron offense is in, is in the hands of Russ and, and the real dogs out there. So with Brooks and Barton's going to play quite a bit, and I think Green is, is playing his way at least to a rotational piece, what happens when we have the full ensemble out there? Like there were a couple of plays where Brooks specifically, man, like cutting down the line, blowing people up, uh, for a tackle for a loss. And at the very next play, I think it was like towards the end of the first quarter, yeah, it was first down where he just flies through the hole, gets a tackle for the loss. On second and 10, he recognizes a, 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 a running back screen. I think it was to Royce Freeman. And he sheds this, this dude, Cushionberry, right? The center, six foot three, 312 pound dude. I went and looked it up. Cushionberry, he sheds him and still makes a great tackle on Royce Freeman, and you know, mitigates what, what would have been a, a, a very healthy uh, running back screen. It's just like these dudes are, I think, are showing up really big in the preseason. So the jewel, the Nile here for me, Brandon, is man between Green and Brooks and Barton, and then when you give them the the full ensemble cast, that's why I'm so bullish on this defense. Besides that, that little maybe hole right up front, I think when we fill when we color by number and fill the other dudes in here, man, like. These guys are showing out as young, extremely productive players, and it's got me very, very jazzed. So for me, the in is for kind of like their triple play. I, I do feel like we've spent quite a bit of time on on those guys and and just wondering what they would 
do once they fit in. I, I want to give an in, maybe an honorary in to a guy that has the potential to make the team as a backup. And I think we saw some growth from Stone Forsyth from last week to this week. There was one play. I, I want to go back to that Seahawks third drive again as they were moving the football. That that one catch by John Ursua, I think it was possible because of Stone Forsyth. And the way that the Broncos lined up, they had they had one guy lined up on the left side, kind of between the guard and the tackle. And then they had another guy lined up over center. And then they had uh, one lined up kind of uh, over Forsyth. And then another guy way outside. It almost looked like he was going to be on the wide receiver, but one of the linebackers. And then he comes in, in a lot like last week where Forsyth blocked down on the guy and then allowed Gino to get uh, just walloped. Uh, this time, Forsyth, he he takes his right hand, shoves the guy who's in front of him, and then as the guy's coming off the edge and kind of a delayed rush, he blocks him too, and it gives Magoo enough time to dump it off to Ursua. And so I I like that growth that I saw from last week where he allowed Gino to get blown up, and then this week where he was kind of put in a similar situation, and he does and he makes it happen essentially all by himself, taking on two guys, one with each arm. And and allows the play to happen to Ursua. Love it, love it. I think, and I think the the piece for me there is like you know you were saying, hey, we know Stone should make the team. I would hope so, right? I mean, he, I know he's the project guy. We don't have a, a well, right now we don't have a starting tackle. Of course, of course, we got Dwayne. We just got to get him back mm-hmm. on the Jamarco field. Jones. The waiting for him. He would be the right. presumptive guy to play that spot. Right. And, and he's, and he's still, he's dinged as well. Right. So, uh, but I'm with you. I think, I think he's, I think he's shown enough for sure that it's like, Hey, he was, he's worth the lottery ticket where we got him, which was what? Sixth round, fifth, I think, I think right. Something like that. Yeah. Very, yeah quite late. Um, you know, and you take the big six foot nine guy and you see what you can do with him. And I think he's shown enough. I think he's, he's got, he's got enough athleticism and, and he's, and Hey, in, in one short week, you could pick out that little, that little nugget of where, he kind of it was like a like a little fool me once and and he didn't do it the second time and that's great it just shows a little bit of growth and that's positivity and that's why I like extracting that from from a thirty to three loss is kind of what we like to do not not that we like to talk about losses once this becomes the regular season trust you me Brandon and I won't be uh, you know oh so cheery if we get if we get wallop thirty to three but in the preseason where nobody's playing. These are the things we do like to call out so so I appreciate that Brandon good good work well thank you and let's roll right into from the flock. If you want to be part of the flock, you can go to getintheflock.com. It'll get you into our Discord group where we have a three-in, three-out channel. And we've got a couple of folks who brought the ins and brought the outs. I'm going to start off with Design Pete's Beach House. Amy says, in to Dallas, Collins, and Brooks. And yeah, you know, a lot of times we don't hit the obvious stuff in three-in, three-out. DJ Dallas in this game, Clinton, was he was the player of the game. And great, great job by Amy there. Yeah, she she also wrote in the Discord, you know, DJ taking names. She's absolutely right. So we talked about uh, Trey Brown returning kicks last week. And by the way, I still like Trey Brown as as the kickoff returner a little better than DJ, even though DJ did awesome with it. Um, because again, for me, it's that it's that one that one cut break breakaway ability that I think Trey's quicker. But DJ did great, and every chance he got. What I like, what I think I like the most about DJ Dallas this this preseason is the dude is showing me vision. He's, you know, it's 
It's not just run into the back of the, the tackle in the center and try to plow ahead. He has seemingly gotten better this year. And to me, it's all about vision. In those tight spaces, he's making quick decisions. He looks quicker. And I love it, man. I think DJ is beyond solidified his place on this team, which, you know, I'm not going to knock Penny, but hey, dude, even Josh Johnson later in the fourth quarter, Josh Johnson looked damn good with the ball. So if Josh Johnson looks good and Alex Collins looks good and DJ looks good and Chris Carson's not going to sniff a ball yet, where does that lead Penny, man? I, I don't know, Brandon. So, but I don't want to come down on Penny. I want to stay with the good vibes <laughs> and say thank you to Amy. But I'll roll, I'll roll into one real quick that, you know, DK Metcalf fan club on Discord, which is, of course, Lisa in X Seattle. She said, out. Second stringers are not good. Not and, uh, good. She's right. <laughs> for, for the most part, there's a couple guys where you look at and you can point to. But yeah, for the most sure. part, they're not good. And obviously not when you're getting blown out 30 to three in the preseason, you, you want to see a competitive team and that's, that's not what we got against the Broncos. Moving back over to the end from Josh Dahuman, not trying to fool us there. <laughs> Lundblade in the running for center looks better than fuller. And I think, yeah. I think you're right, Josh. Yeah. We, we talked, we touched on it earlier and, it, and let's also be very, very clear about this. He has a cooler last name. So that's, that's true. That's gotta, that's gotta stand for something there. So, uh, we had this, we had this beautiful one from Hong Kong Hawk. He put up a plate of chicken wings and said, what we'd be lucky to get for a trade with Penny. And it was a plate of delicious looking wings. I thought you weren't going to, I thought you weren't going to pile on Penny. I'm not, I'm not piling. This is from the flock. (laughs) I'm not piling on. This is all the way from Hong Kong here. You could, that's Bloom. That's Bloomy's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also said out second year in a row with no Seahawks football in August. Yes, just block out the bad, only allow the good in. Hong Kong Hawk taking that approach with the preseason. We didn't even see it. And and he also commented earlier in the Discord basically saying, you know what, maybe it's kind of saying, paraphrasing here, you know, maybe this is the blessing in disguise that that Pete Carroll finally got wise to the idea that you don't got to risk your guys. You just, you don't have to play your dudes. Uh, the consequence of that is, you know, we're talking about Nick Ballore playing linebackers is, is what it boils down to. Well, one more in from Frost says in all the turnovers and more than half of the penalties can be attributed to two people who will never be on this field during the regular season if they even make the team. And yes, uh, that was some foresight there. Those guys not going to be on the team. Yeah, that that is a true fact that I got. I do have one from the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. It was a three in three out from Aaron Fisher. And he said out and he's talking about Ursua, which we talked about earlier. He says, I was actually seeing what you love about him. He was talking to me before he got hurt. He made some great catches and runs, but he then comes back and says in my guy, DJ Dallas, who we, who we talked about, but he says, looking like, you know, it really in the competition to be the lead backup to Chris Carson. And I got to tell you, if I'm putting my chips somewhere right now, it, it's behind that DJ train because I like what I'm seeing. I, I would push him to the number two job just after what we saw in this game and not just because of the running, but you want to have a guy that you, know, you can tell that he loves what he's doing. And yeah. when he's blocking punts on special teams, those are and, and making other plays out of the backfield, catching passes. You want to see those guys get more opportunities, and that's what I want for DJ Dallas. 
Yeah, listen, you you bring the the great dreadlock flow and you bring the energy, you know, hey, uh, real quick, Ryan Neal, you know, flying out there like he's Earl Thomas, like same type of vibe. You bring that kind of energy and you got that kind of vibe in the field and you're making plays. Well, guess what? I'm going to want more of you. So DJ, Ryan Neal, let's, let's go. I want more of you. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.